Hi, thanks for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message impacts you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us. We hope you enjoy this message. Heavenly Father, I just pray. Lord God, as we've heard your words spoken through worship, that we've experienced your presence through a welcome on the front door. Lord God, as we've had the opportunity to give. Heavenly Father, as we've had the, the, the opportunity to fellowship with each other, to say hello, to embrace again after another week, to give someone a cuddle and say, how are you? Heavenly Father, we thank you that we have the, the opportunity to serve you. For those who have been here since well before eight o'clock, setting up, turning heaters on, making sure the sound is here. Lord God, we thank you for that. We thank you for the honour that is. Heavenly Father, we just pray this morning that for those who may have come and it's been a challenge, this morning there were so many doubts and hurdles in our mind of why we shouldn't come to church. And even as the worship played this morning and we couldn't get a car park out the front and the kids were a bit ratty. And so we struggled in our mind to, to really connect in with where you're at. Yet we desired to be here. We desire with all our heart to be here because we know that this is a place, Lord God, where you are present. And so Heavenly Father, we just pray that in just these next few moments, that Lord God, distractions will be put aside. That our phones won't ring and we won't feel the desire to, to message someone. But Lord God, for, for 20, 25 minutes, Heavenly Father, there will be your presence will be so clear on us. That we may have gone front on the altar, as Stewie said, 20 years ago. But we've been a little bit dry. That maybe today, that maybe today, just maybe today, it might be a day where we say, no, we want to reinvigorate our faith in you. That wherever those doubts are, financial, relationship, health, career, whatever it might be, Lord God, I just pray that in this next moment, that not the words I speak, but your presence will come clear and that we can move from a place of doubt, that we can move from where we've been and that we can step forward in faith. We may not know the other side. We may not know where we're stepping into, but Lord God, we do it in the understanding that You have already been there, that You have prepared our paths for us. And so we do that with our head held high and we give You all the praise and all the glory in Your mighty Name. Amen. 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 As you're sitting down, turn to the person behind you and say, we are not staying there. You can actually stay in your seat. That's all right. Genesis 1, 26 to 28 says this. Then God said, 
Let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. The Lord God, Genesis 2, the Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord warned him, you may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. Embedded deep within the very act of creation, God turned a void of emptiness into the fullness of abundant life. With the added gift that humanity would enjoy fellowship and open dialogue with our very own creator. A gift that included being taught about the knowledge of good and evil, made clear in spoken words from our creator. There was no confusion, no misunderstanding, no doubt. Genesis 3. The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day he asked the woman, did God really say? Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we're not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. Did God really say, with four carefully crafted words, the devil introduced both doubt and temptation into a world that was previously without? For those who are new to church here today, or you've been away on holidays, uh, as Stu said, we have been journeying uh, through a series where we have pulled apart the issue of doubt. And it's kind of felt like it's poked and prodded us a little bit, and we've come a little bit bruised out of this, but we were very clear to say that it was doubt, a series on faith. And today, I've titled the message, We Are Not Staying Here. We are not staying here. It is a statement and a position that we lead the church from. Not with arrogance or from a place of judgment, but because we desire to walk the journey with people and to see them grow in their faith. Faith that often comes out of places of doubt. David Gilpin says this, You were made in his image. In his image you were made. And if you have received Jesus and are born again, you are part of a royal priesthood, a child of the king. 
So live your life as though you are. Not one based on performance. Not one knowing that you are stuck in doubt. But from the assurance that you are a child of God. So how do we do this, church? How do we do this? How do we take 20 minutes from here and say we have doubt in so many areas of our life and actually step forward in a place of faith with it. I'm going to give four points today. I've said it before and I'll say it again. There is different levels in heaven. If you journal and write down the things, I'm just saying, there's probably nice coffee there and stuff like that. As well as if you park your car right down the back. I'm kidding people. But journal. Journal. It's cool. Put it, in your, put it in your phones. I don't care. Put it in your phones. Write it down. Journal. Because it's not the words I'm saying. It's when you can go back on a Monday and go, I didn't actually get that point. So I can go back and read what it was. I can read what that scripture was. I can understand what it was. I can, I can redo the quote or whatever it might be. It's, it's on the Tuesday often when we need it. Not when we're sitting here on a Sunday. Four points. Four points. The first one is this. Understand your opposition. Understand your opposition. In uh, his letter to the people of Ephesus, Paul reminded them of the spiritual battle that they faced and warns them about giving the devil room to breathe in their life. And if we are not careful, we can end up praising the devil unintentionally by the simple fact that we give him credit for being involved in our life. Let me give you one example. Is in our area when we're fatigued and tired. And I could probably, without raising our hands, look across the room and we've all been in that stage where we get fatigued and cried and tired and we can give the enemy credit for this because we are absolutely exhausted and fatigued and then we start getting a little bit sick because we haven't allowed our natural body to heal. And so we start saying, stop attacking me, devil. Yet what we haven't done is we haven't chosen to acknowledge that we've burned the candle at both ends, right? What we haven't chosen to acknowledge is that we've spent any of our time in the presence of God. What we haven't chosen to acknowledge is that we didn't start our day putting on the armour of God. And so then at the end of the day when we feel tired and cranky and exhausted and fatigued, we, we, we kind of give the devil some credit for this, yet we haven't put on the armour of God. Peter reminds us in 1 Peter, he says this, Be careful, watch out from the attacks from Satan, your great enemy. He prowls around, hungry, roaring lion, looking for a victim to tear apart. The devil wasn't just back in Genesis 1, people. We are told he is here today. But Paul says this, understand your opposition. And we need to equip ourselves for battle. He says, don't cut corners when it comes to putting on the armour of God. If you want peace, then put on the shoes that give you peace. It's the good news. If you want a mind that is righteous, then put on the armour that is God's righteousness. If you want to be more faith-filled, then you need to pick up the shield of faith and hold it high. Because when you put that shield in front, it's going to stop the attack coming into you all the time. 
But see, what we do is that we, we can put on parts of the armor that suit us and we leave other parts out. And then when we cop an attack in the side, we sort of go, well, the devil's attacking me in the side. Well, no, we chose not to put on the armor of God. It's very clear. Paul says to the people of Ephesus, put on all the pieces of the armor. Put on the good news. Pick up your shield of faith. Get into the Word of God. You don't have to know this off by heart and attack people with, with, with Scripture. But this is food, people. You don't go out and play a football game if you haven't had anything to eat. You've got no energy inside of you. This is our food. Put on some worship music in the morning. It's our food. Get on your knees and pray, people. It is your communication. It is your way of going, I have some doubt and some confusion around an issue I'm dealing with at work. We all will have those things. I've got doubt and confusion around a relationship I'm in at the moment. I've got doubt and confusion around finances or, or situations in my life. Get on your knees and give it to God. Put on your armour. Paul says, understand your, uh, um, understand your opposition and put on your armour. The devil is shrewd. We know this. And he knows exactly where your weak spots are. If alcohol is a problem in your life, build accountable partners around you who will lift you up and support you. If pornography is a problem in your life, put filters on your computer that, I don't know, give you an electric shock if you go there. Do something. If shopping, compulsive shopping is a problem in your life, burn your credit cards. Know your opposition. Know the areas of your life that you are weak in. Give them to God. Talk to somebody you know who trusts, you can trust and put on your armour. Paul says, understand your opposition. Be aware of the battle. Don't give the devil any credit. It is time for us to start saying, sorry, devil, but you ain't welcome here today. Second point is this. Don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. Genesis 3, 4 to 7 says this. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted some of that. She wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. He was there. And he ate it too. At that moment, their eyes were opened and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. If you go back to the first command from God, it was, you are free to eat from any tree in the whole garden except one. The one over there. The one of good and evil. Because if you do, you will die. It's pretty simple. It's not unambiguous. The process was written down for those who are processed people. It was pretty clear steps. This is what you can do. This is what you can't do. The clarity was clear. 
But the devil said, did God really say? The devil put doubt into the mind. And it's at this point where the voices in our head can start messing you up and where doubt can find you stuck. If you haven't, if you haven't understood your opposition by protecting yourself with the armour of God, you will be in for a battle. The enemy wants you to doubt the word of God. The enemy wants you to doubt this. In the garden, the enemy wanted Adam and Eve to doubt the simple command that was given to them. Today, the devil wants you to doubt what you read. Because when you doubt the word of God, it creates instability in your relationship with God. Why? Because it creates instability in your walk with God. And now you are in a stuck place. Because you believe in God. Well, let me tell you, even the demons believe in God and they shudder. But you're struggling to believe God. And so now the devil is laughing because you have the word of God, but you don't believe in the word of God. Only this week I heard a beautiful story and a sad story at that. Of a beautiful lady who for so many years was on fire for God. She was the light on the hill, the beacon of hope in time of darkness. She attacked life armed with God's protection on her. She gave her life to sharing the good news of of Jesus Christ and many in this church came to know Jesus Christ because of her. Yet at some moment in her life, an element of doubt was injected. Whether it was offence, whether it was misunderstanding, whether it was something that wasn't a bit clear, it actually doesn't matter. There was a doubt that was planted in her mind. Not a doubt that God was real. She knew God was real. She believed in God. And she'd seen his goodness over and over and over again. But somewhere the devil had said words like, did God really say? And whatever it was this time in her life, this woman who had devoted her life to sharing the good news got stuck. She couldn't get past it. Now, I don't know. I don't know this lady. I don't know if she had accountable partners that she reached out to and said, help me. I'm in quicksand. Help me in this situation. I'm going through a bit of a deep patch. Help me get out of it. Someone put up your arm and help me get out of it. point doesn't matter. The fact of the matter is, is that this lady got stuck. And it seems like no matter how hard you try, sometimes when you're stuck, you can get more and more stuck. And what we can do is we can start feeling like God's armour doesn't fit us anymore. We can start reading the word of God and saying it's not relevant to me. I can give you a whole series on relevance. But we start looking 
at this and we think, this is not relevant to me. We, we, we try and have our communication with God, but it feels like there's a disconnection. It feels like NBN's been cut off and there's no connection going backwards and forwards. It feels like the armor is not there anymore. We go to put those shoes of, of, of peace on in our lives because we all like peace in our lives and so we go to put them on and either our feet, we've either got cankles now and our feet don't fit in them anymore or whatever it is, but they don't fit. We go to pick up that shield of faith that we stand with in front of us that takes the, the hits for us. But it's heavy now, right? When we're stuck, that shield of faith gets a little bit heavier in our lives because we've moved away from our first love. We've moved away from thinking about God all the time to thinking about the fact that we're stuck, right? Because our perspective has changed. When you're worshipping, when things are good, I don't know, you read this and it's like, man, did something new just pop into the Bible today? But when you're stuck and you're reading this and, and you're thinking about all the problems that are wrong, you're reading this and you're going, oh man, but this work situation is, your perspective has changed and we become stuck. In Genesis 3, 8 to 12, God asked Adam and he said, who told you you were naked? This is really cool. God, pointed, God was pointing out to Adam that he had become stuck in doubt. Because earlier, not much beforehand, they walked around naked and there was no shame. It says that. But now, God asked Adam, who told you you were naked? God was pointing out that Adam had become stuck in doubt and that he had changed his whole perspective of himself. Where once he stood there and there was no shame, now he was filled with shame. The devil's words had informed Adam's thoughts and actions and as a result had made him feel ashamed. Sadly, the lady I spoke about passed away this week. And our prayer is that in her final moments, she became unstuck. I truly pray that. Because she believed in a God. And we pray in her final moments that that peace that she put on in her shoes for so many years in her life, that shield of faith that she picked up, we pray that she didn't just believe in a God, but she returned to her believing God. Third point is this. Can I get the guys up, please? Third point is this. Act on your faith, not your doubts. Act on your faith, not your doubts. It's what Noah did when he built the ark, right? Right? It's what Abraham did when he offered up Isaac. It's what Moses did when he marched through the Red Sea on dry ground. It's what David did when he faced Goliath. It's what Joshua did when he marched around Jericho. It's what Daniel did when he was thrown into the lion's den. It's what Nehemiah did when he built a wall. Don't you think that all of these great heroes of the faith had moments of doubt in those situations? Of course they did. Before every situation, they did not know what was going to be in advance of where it was. How could they? But what they did is they took a deep breath. They were human, just like you and I. 
They took a deep breath. And they acted on their faith, not on their doubt. You see, you've got to understand your opposition, though, if you're going to do that, right? It's pretty hard to act on your faith, not your doubt, if you haven't understood the opposition you're fighting against. And it's pretty hard to do that when you're stuck, right? You see, the thing about getting stuck, the thing about I love about church, there's connect groups. There's little shepherds all through this place. We have more than 60 or 70% of our adult membership are involved in connect groups in this church. And I could get every connect group leader up here. Little shepherds that are responsible for a flock of six to ten people. And I can guarantee I could ask each one of them and they'll say someone in their group is stuck at the moment. But what it takes is a text from them or a phone call from them to say, you know what? I'm here for you. I'll come and move your cupboard for you. I'll look after the kids. I had someone take my car this week and fill it with petrol. It might seem like nothing. Helped me get unstuck. They didn't even know. They had no idea that I was stuck. There's the little things that we can do when we know the opposition that we're fighting against. We can reach out and say, man, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this. Will you be my rock and my accountable partner? Will you reach out to me? We have to act on our faith, not on our doubt. We have to say, do you know what? I don't know how I'm going to get through a, a sea of water. How do you do that? And you might be sitting here on a, on a Sunday and you've checked your calendar for a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday and you go, man, I'm in a business and I've got no work. I don't know how I'm going to get through that. Or maybe you're in a business and you've got too much work. Praise Jesus. But you might be going, I don't know how I'm going to get through that. Or you might have a health appointment on Monday and it is a wall of water in front of you. And you're stuck. You're stuck on Sunday trying to, trying to hear my word and it's hurting a little bit. You're stuck trying to worship because you're looking at Monday and you're thinking of the doubts that are there. We've got to act on faith, people. We've got to get on our knees on Sunday and say, you know what, God, I know you've already gone to Monday. You've already dealt with this. You've already been there. I'm not saying it's going to be easy. But what it is, is that we've got a God who carries us through the tough times. I've shared with you before, above my mum's wall was the, the poem Footprints. I loved it. Because in those tough times, when you're walking, thinking I'm just walking and I've got a wall of water in front of me, 
I'm walking six times and these walls of Jericho haven't come down yet. How stupid is it that thinking that we can walk around and walls will come down? How stupid is it to think that we can get thrown into a lion's den and come out smelling like roses? Coming out, our new best friend is the lion. I've got a cat for sale if anyone wants it. You know, sometimes we've got to act on our faith and not on our doubts. Because we know that we have a Father in our time of doubt, in our time of struggle, in our time when we're heavy and we're stuck, He's picking us up, putting us on His shoulder and He's carrying us through this time. Fourth point is this. People, we've got to raise a hallelujah. We're going to raise a hallelujah. Let me put this in context for you. Let me give you some context. There are times when we're going to struggle to even speak, right? The worship music comes on and we sound like pretty ordinary. We're struggling to praise God because we're stuck. We're facing that wall. Let me tell you, Paul and Silas were doing the work of the Lord. They weren't messing around. They were doing the work of the Lord. They had delivered a young girl from, from the pain she was in, from the evil spirit that was inside of her. They had set her free. And their reward, they were stripped. They were beaten with rods and kicked for setting a girl free. And then they were thrown in jail. And it wasn't minimum security. It was deep in the dungeons, right in the center shackled with a guard to look after them deep down in the bottom I'm kind of imagining jails 2,000 years ago were pretty dark dank places where disease was rampant where things weren't that good hang on let's go back a second these guys acted on faith not on doubt they healed a young girl right they could have stopped and said well hang on a second Silas if we do this I've got a fair idea we're going to cop a fair flogging. So maybe we won't step into a ministry today, right? Because if we step into this ministry today, we're inviting the devil to come in and have a shot at us. And we get stuck. Oh, we're back on our doubt. We can't step into a ministry. Silas, we can't do this. Because, uh, man, means it. An hour a week, I've got to give to helping somebody else. Whoa, we. And you've got to see my workload that I've got in front of me. Now, Paul and Silas acted on their faith. And they said, there's a girl who needs setting free. Because when we set her free, 
Yeah, we're going to cop a flogging, but the word of this is going to go around the towns and other people are going to be set free. They're going to understand the power of Jesus Christ in their life. You see, we don't do this for ourselves. We do this to give glory to God. Paul and Silas, when they're shackled, sitting on the ground, struggling. (laughs) No, they weren't struggling. What do they do? They raised a hallelujah, people. They're in the jail. The only one who could hear them was the jailer. One person standing outside. What did they do? They raised a hallelujah. They started singing hymns. They started praising the name. The jailer, what happens to him? He's the only bloke who can hear. I don't know whether Paul and Silas had a good voice or not. I'm not sure what the acoustics are like inside a maximum security jail. But they acted on their faith, not on their doubt. They looked ahead and said, you know what? We are gonna do this. And we might be sitting here in the hardest time of our life, people. We might be in a place where we can't deal with this, but they, they declared to God and they raised a hallelujah. They praised His Name in song and in hymns. I have moments of doubt. And it's in those moments where I'm very deliberate to turn my sonos up to 10. I'm gonna annoy the neighbours. Don't become my neighbour. And I'm not just talking worship music. In those moments there, You've got to be deliberate and go, do you know what? I'm going to raise a hallelujah here. Why? Because I know it builds my faith. Do you know the word hallelujah in Hebrew is made up of two different words. First part of halal there literally means to praise, to adore to declare victorious. These are the words. Think about this. To praise, to adore, to declare victorious. And the last part of the word is jar. Do you know what it simply means? God. So put them together. To praise, to adore, to declare victorious our God. That's what the word means. So when you sing a song, you're not just singing this song that's got some weird word that's really hard to spell. Try spelling it. It's like diarrhea. Try spelling that. It's not just a hard word to spell, people. It means to praise, to adore, to give thanks to our God. Thank you for listening to C3 Hobart Online. If this message has impacted you in any way, please don't hesitate to contact us at c3hobart.org.au.